Welcome back to JR Afternoon. I'm Kelly Cobb filling in with uh, for Chris Renwick here on WJR. Uh, these wildfires, the story about the wildfires in Hawaii are just tragic. Now we have, uh, this is the largest wildfire, the deadliest wildfire in more than 100 years in Maui. Killed, I think 96 is the current number of people who have died from it. And the governor is now saying uh, so many people fled into the ocean and so many people were trapped in their homes that they expect this number to go up. And it that's just a uh, it's just a tragedy. Uh, we're joined by Jason Hayes, the director of energy and environmental policy at the Mackinac Center here in Michigan. But Jason has a, a, a great backstory where he actually came from forest management. He sort of understands how these wildfires develop and, and what happens here. And we but Jason, we don't know yet. What caused this wildfire? Is that true? Well, uh, thanks for having me on, Kelly. But uh, there's there's a lot that they're still trying to dig up, really. It's uh, a bunch of different changing events. So you'll, you'll inevitably hear that it's caused by climate change and warmer temperatures and that sort of thing. But, <clears throat> pardon me, as you dig more into the news reports on this, you also figure out that there used to be a lot more agriculture on the islands. And as that sort of uh, was replaced by tourism and that sort of thing, the agriculture stopped. And so the non-native grasses that were brought over are growing and spreading. And so you get almost what um, they call in the rest of the country, they call it the wildland urban interface. It's that kind of where homes and natural areas are right side by side. Mm -hmm. And so apparently there's some of this grassland that um, has really expanded. Add to that the fact that there was a hurricane offshore that was blowing extremely strong winds and the fact that they were right in the middle of a drought season. So it was very dry very warm these grasses basically they they can dry out within a few hours and once the fire got started they were saying the fire was moving as fast as a mile a minute which is i mean it's you know the a fast walking speed for people is four miles an hour so like it was going you can't run from a fire like that no like basically people were trapped and so it was coming on so fast that it's it just like it, it boggles the mind to try and figure out how quickly this was going through. But when you've got winds matched with the dry, uh, you know, low humidity and the grasses, it apparently was just hellish. It sounds that way. And and maybe that helps explain why um, the state's emergency response system uh, they haven't they have a warning siren system there, but it was never activated. Yeah. And uh, the word is that they they issued like push notifications. They texted everybody on the island and we get those sometimes. Right. Yeah. Um, but but that didn't necessarily go through. And a lot of people are saying, well, the cell phone towers were down. There was no cell phone service. The fires had destroyed so much infrastructure. And yeah. it, it kind of makes you wonder whether 
a push notification is really the best form of communication from the government in a, in a large scale natural disaster like that. Yeah, that one. I know that uh, the the governor was even on on. Uh, he did a video, a YouTube video, or something like that, and was saying that you know temperatures were, were as high in some areas in the fire as over a thousand degrees. So. Yeah, things like cell phone towers <clears throat> are going to have trouble surviving that. But it does kind of explain why when you look at some of the pictures out there, like cars incinerated, uh, entire houses just gone. So 1,000 degrees, I mean, that's, that's like, I mean, it's almost steel melting temperatures. I mean, it does not quite there, but it's it definitely, you can see structures, steel structures just folded over well, in well, some of these pictures. So. Uh, a, a wall of fire of a thousand degrees moving at a mile a minute is is almost impossible to, to escape from. Right. It's um, worse than the worst movie you've ever seen. It's it's just beyond unimaginable. Yeah, and and it is really sad to watch some of these historic towns that have been destroyed. Uh, I, it's fascinating, and I think it was Lahaina. The only two things really left standing were a church, uh, yeah. which that says something, and and a historic, uh, I think it's pronounced Bayan tree or Bayan tree, which is oh, this okay. hundreds plus year old tree that's sort of in the town straight. Everything else is gone. But two yeah. landmarks in the town. Um, but uh, it, it's just really sad to see. But, Jason, you know, we, we, you and I have talked about this before. The, this year has been sort of the year of wildfires. I guess it's all, every year we say it's the year of wildfires. But this year we had the Canadian wildfires with smoke blowing over, uh, the, the haze of the beginning of a Michigan summer, which is, you know, brief enough as it is. We've got yeah. wildfires all over the country, this horrific one in Hawaii. And like you said before, a lot of this conversation is driven by the climate change uh, sort of conversation that this is a problem. Uh, the temperature is getting warmer. Uh, things are getting drier. There are heat waves. You've got El Nino playing into certain things. And then sure. on the other side, you've got this conversation about forest management and how mm -hmm. you, you keep, you know, dry lands dry, et cetera. When you when you just kind of explain this to me, you, you said, look, you've got this sort of area of agriculture where dry, grass can dry, you know, in an hour um, that, that the areas are so dry that it's almost impossible to start, you know, to stop a wildfire like this from happening. How can how is it even possible to manage land to prevent fires like this from occurring? Climate change or not, right? Uh, someone drops a cigarette or, or, or uh, you know, has a, has a fire in the a campfire or not. Is it possible in forest management to really prevent huge scale wildfires like this? Preventing fires is almost. Well, that's a fool's errand, right. But yeah. mitigating them to some extent. Right. Mitigating is a different explanation. So what uh, perhaps the best examples of this you will see in areas like um, when, when I, I wrote a paper on forest management in Arizona. So you look at some of the, the northern areas in Arizona and there are national forests that butt up against uh, native owned or land like reservations and that sort of thing. And the White Mountain Apache, for example, have done an excellent job 
of clearing areas, um, doing spacing and thinning, allowing harvesting and that sort of thing. And so in the past in Arizona, when they had massive fires go through that just destroyed portions of the national forest, when the fire hit the White Mountain Apache lands, it basically dropped down to the ground, crawled along and went out. So within a few weeks, certainly within a few months after the fire went through, the the burnt out areas on federally managed forests were still like a moonscape. But on the native lands, they were green and they were growing again. So it's all a matter of how you manage the vegetation that's growing there. So for like the Hawaii fires, now I have not been on the ground in Hawaii, so I'm not you know, I'm speaking from what I've read. But basically, the the invasive species that have been brought over to feed cattle and that sort of stuff, you have to go through the process of trying to remove or lessen those. Mm-hmm. Fighting invasive species, as anybody in our state government will tell you, can be uh, an extremely difficult task. But that's where you need to go, or you need to be doing things like some kind of mechanical treatments or... Um, you know, herbicide or something like that to try and lessen the damage. At the very least, you want to be doing things like clearing out the areas that are close to homes and cities and that so that you reduce the fire risk right in that area. Right. So you want to basically create what is known in, in the industry as fire-adapted communities. You want to be able to change the like the ceiling tiles on roofs so that you're not using um, cedar stakes or something. And I mean, I'm guessing they don't Jason, use we, cedar in Hawaii. Yeah, exactly. But uh, we got to leave it there. We appreciate your insight. Uh, and thanks for coming on the show.